Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. September is Sickle Cell Awareness Month, and I'm sure a lot of us have heard what that disease is, but not really sure what it's all about and who it affects. And we're going to talk with somebody who is the owner and also a health and wellness educator at Eastern Shore of Maryland Sickle Cell Disease Association. They do a lot of great work in supporting people afflicted with sickle cell. So let's learn more. Shonda Ward joins us today on the program. Shonda, welcome. How are you? Hi, how are you? I'm well. I'm good. And even since I was a kid, I used to hear about sickle cell anemia. I just remembered mm-hmm. those three words together, learned a little bit more about it, but I'm sure a lot of us aren't really 100% sure of what the disease is and who it affects. So why don't we start there? Can you, can you enlighten us on that? Okay, so um, sickle cell disease affects our red blood cells. So um, it is normally like your blood cells are like donuts. It has a little hole inside that carries oxygen, throughout your body. The problem with sickle cell is that the blood cell is not completely circle. It's a sickled shape. So it only carries half or maybe even a smaller amount of the oxygen throughout your body. So the biggest problem is that um, it affects our brown and black community and it's passed from generation to generation. So even though it says sickle cell disease, it's not contagious. But it is very deadly to vital organs, and also to your veins, and it causes organ failure, upper respiratory um, difficulty, like acute chest syndrome, and ultimately, for some warriors, it causes death. Mm. How does somebody know the beginning stages that they're affected with it? So um, a long time ago, there were no tests for it, but um, recently they've started to test at newborn stage, so now they see they can do blood work and now find out. People can also give blood, and they will tell them if they have um, sickle cell disease or trait. Wow. How did you, and we're going to talk about what the association does to support people, but before we even go there, how, um, how did you get involved in all of this, Shonda? So I have um, two daughters that have sickle cell disease. So um, when I first um, found out maybe in college, um, I got some blood work done and someone said to me, hey, you know what, you have sickle cell trait. And I went, mm, what's that? And they went, oh, yeah, just be careful who you procreate with that you can have children with sickle cell disease. And that was just kind of a passerby conversation. And then um, I got married and had two children, and each time I had a one in four chance to have a child with sickle cell disease. And as I got more and more information about sickle cell disease, we, uh, my husband got tested and said, oh, yeah, he has trait, I have trait. And then I realized, oh, my aunt has trait. And then I found out my grandmother had sickle cell disease. Wow. You know, it's, I'm learning more and more in terms of genetics affecting uh, others you know, in your family line. And I hear the number is low, like, um, I don't know, somewhere around 20% that if you have something, you'll pass it on. But then mm-hmm. I talk to people like you and I find, okay, maybe that's not true uh, because I, ha- I have um, basal cell skin cancer. I've been dealing with it for, for decades. Um, my dad passed when I was much younger. Come to find out, 
he had it when he was 41. My mom had it in her later years. Um, my aunt had it. So this whole, um, you know, passing it on uh, and how genetics really don't have that much to do with uh, what uh, our, our health is. I wonder about that number. You know, have you heard that, too, that it's, it's you know, it's only like 20 percent chance that you'll pass it on even lower than that. I think I've heard So, um, one in 10 people or one in 12 could have sickle cell disease, a sickle cell um, trait and not even know that they have it. Hmm. And so the problem with that is that they may have it and then they pass it on to their children, not even knowing that they have it. So that is just why it's very important to get tested. Gotcha. Okay. So what's like? Uh, what's life like for somebody that has sickle cell disease? Wow, I'm so glad you asked. Um, so here on the Eastern Shore where there's very limited resources, um, when my children were very small, um, they um, got three rounds of medication here on the shore, and then they would have to be sent two and a half hours away to Baltimore, to D.C., or even to um, Virginia or Delaware. And those are our surrounding areas. And um, the reason why they had to be sent away is because um, their cells would get stuck in their veins, and they would cause a lot of pain, which we call crisis. And so when they have a sickle cell crisis, they have to continue to um, chase the pain until they can um, get hydrated enough for their veins to open back up Mm. and get enough um, blood running through their veins so that they can turn, so they can in turn feel better. So um, if they cannot manage that here on the shore, they would move them to a a better area that had the supplies in the areas to do that. Now, once they become an adult, which my girls are now 22 and 24, they are now can stay on the Eastern Shore because there's a hematologist here, but he's not. There are non sickle cell trained pediatric or hematologist that is trained an adult either, and so they just do pain management, which is detrimental to us ultimately because of the fact that they just want to give opiates and pain management right. and not prevention, not prevention of care. Yeah, I mean, it's basically putting a Band-Aid on the situation. Correct, and chasing the pain. Yeah. Uh, Eastern Shores of Maryland, now that's that's primarily your organization and association supports, but we're talking here, anybody could hear this really anywhere on the planet. Um, do you help, seriously, do you help people uh, you know, around the country deal with challenges? So what happens now is if someone calls me and says, oh, I'm in... This area, whatever, what I'll try to do is connect them with a um, Eastern with um, a sickle cell association that's in their area. So um, right now, um, we are pretty much dealing with the whole um, Eastern Shore Peninsula, which would be um, Dorchester County, Worcester County, Wacomico County, Somerset County, and um, yeah, Worcester, Dorchester, Somerset, and Wacomico County. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um- for, is there any prevention? And uh, we're talking, it, this sounds, you know, mostly for sickle cell, it's genetics. Is there anything that any company can do to be proactive? Well, um, definitely stay hydrated like crazy. Mm. I tell my girls to drink to their eyes float. I also tell them they have to stay warm so their veins can stay open. Um, there are some type of cures that they're trying to work on now. Um, they have four medications that some of the um, sickle cellers are using. 
um, to help with fetal um, blood cells, the actual, like, brand-new blood cells. Uh, but it's very, um, it has to be monitored closely by lab work. And then they have bone marrow transplants that are happening, but those are for extreme cases. And then they're also doing CRISPR, which is a genetics um, um, changing of the genetics. And so, but those are all under extreme um, circumstances. Wow. Um, it's, you know, you talk about the hydration. When it comes to your veins, we forget how important it is. I mean, even going for a routine blood test, uh, I don't have issues with that. Although I know people who do, even my kids, I tell them before, you know, if you go for the blood test, drink a lot of water because you can't even find the vein, the phlebotomist, mm-hmm. right? We tell our kids that going whenever, um, so we're doing a blood drive on um, the 15th, September 15th, um, at the University of Maryland Eastern Shore. And we always tell our um anybody who's going to donate that, giving blood is a marathon, not a sprint. You have to prepare yourself days and days in advance. No, Not a lot of caffeine, trying to eat um, lots of fruits and vegetables and proteins and things like that so that you can turn around and find good veins as well as healthy blood. Mm. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because so, so many people don't realize it, and God bless anybody who donates. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, you need to prepare for it. I have a friend I went to school with, and he always pops it up on uh, on Facebook. He goes regularly. I don't, you know, whatever the minimum is, he goes. Yeah. Like if you can only go like every four weeks, he goes. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. He spends a lot of time. He's a good guy. Um, how do you support people? Will with uh, sickle cell. So currently, um, what we've been doing is we've been gathering um, donations and dollars to put together for. Um, for our warriors and the caregivers. Because when the warriors go to the hospital, they get fed because they are the patient. But the supporters that go with them don't get any food because they're not the patient. And then also, in our hospital, we don't have to pay for parking. But if they have to go to other hospitals, some of the other hospitals have to pay for parking. And then there's gas involved and any other things that may have caused them some type of distress. We're trying to get monies together so that we can give our warriors and their caregivers some support so that they don't have so many hardships. And by me having two children that had it, one time I would have one child in the hospital and one child at home. And so I still needed someone to help me with me and my husband take one child to school and one child has to still go there. We still have to feed both children and things like that. And this becomes very difficult. Mm. What triggers it? Is it, is, you know, I, I have to believe that not everybody is dealing with it 24-7. Maybe mm-hmm. some are, unfortunately. But are there things that kick it up? Well, definitely um, staying hydrated. Um, sometimes, you know, kids get playing and they forget to drink. And so before you know it, they're outside for hours at a time and they forget, oh, I was supposed to be drinking. And I tell my kids, if, you have, if you're thirsty, it's too late. You're supposed to be drinking on a regular basis. Also, staying warm so those veins can open up and continue to flow um, through there so then knowing the cells will get stuck in there. Also, taking me- medication as soon as they feel as though they have to know their body. So they know exactly when they're saying, mm, I- I'm starting not to feel good. So, so we're not chasing the pain 
that we are staying in front of it and not behind it. Wow. I, you know, we could do an entire podcast on hydration, <laughs> you know? Definitely. Uh, yeah, we do it with fruits and vegetables as well as with water and um, liquid IVs and all kinds of stuff. All the stuff that we're talking about, people just don't realize the importance of it. Uh, I left my daughter, um, I left, left my place, oh, maybe 45 minutes ago. The last thing I said to her as I left, make sure you drink today because <laughs> it's <laughs> kids don't drink. It's um, mm-hmm. and, and, it, and it drives me crazy. <laughs> it really does because, mm-hmm. you know, when people walk around saying, uh, oh, got a headache. Oh, I'm not feeling well. I, I don't know. I'm foggy in my brain. It's because you're not drinking enough. That's exactly mm-hmm. what the, the, the challenge is, right? And I hear so many people say, I hate the taste of water. Well, they have so many things nowadays. And in the summertime, watermelon is one of the best things that we're able to give. Mm. It just gives you so much all at one time. Oh, yeah. And I, I got to believe a little bit of fiber in there as well, which is always going to yeah. support, right? Yeah. So if somebody's hearing this, and whether they're in the Maryland area, of course, the Eastern Shores, or anywhere in the country, what what can they do to, to connect with you and maybe get some support, some insight, some help? Well, we have two ways. So, um, Well, three ways. I have um, my P.O. boxes, P.O. Box 2984, Salisbury, Maryland, 21802. Our email is just like our name, which is E-S-M-S-C-D-A at gmail.com. And our phone number is 202 930-1953. And Shonda, how are your daughters doing nowadays? How oh, are they I'm sorry, doing? That, I'm sorry, that phone number was 202 930 1954. 1954, got it. Uh, mm-hmm. And of course, you're on, you're on social, you're on Facebook, you're on Instagram, right? Absolutely, using those names, the Eastern Shore of Maryland um, Sickle Cell Disease Association. And your daughters now, how are they doing? Um, great. Um, my one daughter, um, years ago, she wound up jumping into a cold pool, and she wound up having to be in a wheelchair for three years. Um, and all kinds of pain management, different rehabs and things like that. But she's doing so much better because her goal was to walk. And today she is now in college trying to study for, to be an occupational therapist. And, my, and she's a CNA. And then my youngest daughter works at a pharmacy, and she also is in college for biochem. So both of my girls are doing well. They do struggle. So we do um, get 504 plans for them in school, which is like an adapted plan so they can have learning in school and have some type of leeway whenever they're having pain crisis and unable to attend. And we also talk with their um, work providers to under, have them to understand that they're going to have pain crisis and they're not going to be able to always attend. But we always give them a great work ethic to make sure that they want to um, continue to work. I uh, just want to go back. And I'm, happy, I'm thrilled to hear that they're they're doing okay and moving forward. The 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 pool that she jumped into. Let's mm-hmm. go there for a second. W- was mm-hmm. she doing that? I mean, a lot of people do it, jump into an ice ice pool, you know, a, a mm-hmm. body of water, um, just to kind of shock the system. And some people say it's it's a good thing. Um, is is that is that what we're talking about here? Well, she was at summer camp, so she went to a um, sickle cell camp, and um, it was summertime, and they were like, "Oh, you guys want to cool off, and maybe you guys want to get in the pool." 
And some temperatures are okay for some kids, and then some kids are just more sensitive. And when she she jumped in, she was just like, it was just too cold, and she just could not get warm. And then she her her all her veins in her legs and lower extremities started to shut down to the point where no blood cells were able to get through whole or sickle. Wow, and that's that wasn't just if if somebody jumped in and didn't have sickle cell, they'd probably be fine. That it it just affected her that way. Correct. Wow. I'm so sorry to hear that, but thank you for sharing it because these are things that, you know, somebody might not even realize or somebody might, you know, do a, a polar plunge. A lot of us do that, you know, to, mm-hmm. to, to raise funds for different organizations in the winter. And we, mm-hmm. you know, run into the ocean for five seconds and come out. Um, wow. You know, I think sellers know not to do that. But then they also some of them are under the understanding that they may be able to get into jacuzzis and things like that. We also tell our sickle sellers not to get in a bunch of jacuzzis and things like that either because then sometimes your body wants to save itself and so you jump into these hot baths and your veins open, but then it also produces a lot more um, um, red blood cells. And because they're not developed, that puts a lot of them in their system all at one time, and that also can make them not well. Wow. This and I'm glad we uh, we talked about that that aspect because that just further illustrates how serious sickle cell is. Mm-hmm. You know, you wouldn't even think of things like that. You know, other people just do do life. Um, and, you know, cold weather some affects some of us from time to time and things like that. But no, it has a uh, a major effect on those with sickle cell. And I gotta believe also stress. I'm sure stress has something to do with it as well to, to uh, you know, to kick it up in people. Absolutely. Um, we, um, mental health is also a big issue with um, children who have sickle cell because they go to the hospital a lot. They um, probably don't do sports like everyone else because of the fact that they can't um, continue to run and be dehydrated long term and things like that. So they get a pass out of um, some of the sports. Um, then um, most sickle cell, definitely sickle cellers are not accepted into the military and things like that. So they may have dashes of hopes and dreams of being in the armed services and they may not be able to attend. Um, some other uh, events that they may feel like they're like, oh, wow, I wanted to do that run or have that. Unless they hydrate and train ahead of time with that, they may not be able to attend. So that hope, that makes them depressed and anxious of the pain that's going to come. Mm. Yeah, the anticipation and the not knowing and just doing life and then wondering, well, you know what? I, I, I want to do that because everybody else is doing it. I wonder if that's going to affect me or not. And I would I would have to imagine, too, that some people with it, um, it, it, it kind of messes with your mind because you, you fear certain things and you wonder. And then you, you're not really living your life to the fullest because you're always on guard. I guess that's where I'm going with that. Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing is that even in the summertime, some of our sickle cellers are always carrying a jacket. And someone will say, oh, my goodness, it's 90 degrees outside. Why do you have a coat? Because if they go into a restaurant to eat and the air conditioner is on, they need a jacket. And so they always are carrying a jacket and things like that. Nine times out of ten, most of our sickle cellers wear glasses because 
um, if there's going to be a problem in your body with veins, it's going to be in the smallest part of your body, which is definitely going to be your eyes. And so they're wearing glasses, so they're being made fun of and different things like that. And then ultimately they're saying, oh, well, let's come on outside and let's play for hours and hours at a time. No. So you, they know, and then they like to rest. Sickle cellers love to rest because their bodies don't have as much oxygen as others, so they need to lay down and they need to rest, mm. and they might be considered lazy. Yeah, yeah. I could have just imagined that. Like, what are you doing? You're just laying down again. Well, you know, you can't. Mm-hmm. Your your mm-hmm. body says, literally says no. Um, the final questions here, because we're almost out of time, but um, I'm, we're learning a lot. And I'm so, so glad we started talking about all of this today. How how do you know, you, you take a blood test to determine mm-hmm. if you if you have it, Um but is, is is would you say that everybody that is at risk for it should just take that that particular test anyway? It's always good to know your numbers and know what's going on because even if you um, don't have sickle cell trait or disease, it's good to know what your blood type is because then if you eat for your blood type or you you work out and things to your blood type, you're always going to be so much better off. And so when our kids find out what their their blood type is, we also ask them to hydrate and eat for their blood type. You know, it's interesting. It doesn't seem that there's anything that can be done for those with sickle cell to cure it. Am I right in that? That is correct. Right now, there is no complete cure, but ultimately, um, we are looking at um, eventually, hopefully, if Congress can put in some more um, things in place for us, that would be great because um, they only have four medicines right now. And so those four medicines are helping for some, but once you try those four and you can't do any more, then it's over. And so then they have to just go into pain management. Mm. Or they do the, if it becomes an extreme case, then they do the gene splicing or the, or the um, bone marrow transplant. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, simply put, if, if we can do that, it's it's something that blocks the flow of blood, mm-hmm. but to to alleviate a lot of the challenges, keep your veins open. I know you have to do you have to you have to change the way you live to make sure that's done in terms of massive hydration um, and all those other things like cold weather. Be be prepared for that to stay warm. Like you said, going into a restaurant in the summertime that could have air conditioning. Uh, Shonda, once again, best way to reach you if somebody uh, wants to. You know, get some insight, some details, uh, even some help or direction. How do they do that again? So I have a P.O. Box, P.O. Box 2984, Salisbury, Maryland, 21802. Our email is esmscda at gmail.com. Our phone number is 202-930-1954. But we are having a sickle cell walk on the... Um, the 23rd of this month at the Garland Hayward Center in Princess Anne, Maryland. Gotcha. And uh, I'm sure if somebody wants to find out more, they can reach out to you on that? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I love Maryland. Never been to the Eastern Shore area. Got to get there. Uh, But thank you so much for being with us today and spreading the awareness. And again, I've heard of sickle cell since I was a kid. Never really knew what was going on in somebody's body when they deal with the disease. But uh, for all of that, I I really appreciate you and everything that you're doing. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Shonda. We're coming right back. Hang on. 
Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. It's Thursday night and you're grabbing drinks with some friends. Start it off with a pitcher for the table, which quickly becomes two. There's pool. And there's the photo booth. All right, everybody squeeze in. Say cheese. Followed naturally by an order of wings. And another. Can we get some extra ranch sauce? Then there's the ceremonial nightcap. So what are we doing this weekend? And lastly, it's back to the car, which, if you're buzzed... ...could be the most expensive night of your life. Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.